yesterday. Trey, thank you. We had such a wonderful time. Many, many people showed up. We're calling it Impact Saturdays. We're going to have many more of these throughout the year. And uh, I think the next one uh, is April 13th. But we had all kinds of things going on yesterday at Great Hills. The atrium, just so many people came. We, had, we literally had a team of people that sat there for two hours and wrote letters to our homebound, to those that cannot get out of their home. We had people doing small repairs in their homes. Uh, we had um, Jollyville Elementary School. We had a team go over to this school that we have adopted and just loved on them and did lots of yard work and landscaping. We had a group that went across the street and many of those businesses across the street, we did free window washing for them. And it's pretty cool. The opportunities you get when you just show up, and, and we did get permission, by the way. They, they uh, told us we could come, and we were washing their windows. We had a team go out across Jollyville Road. We've adopted this road, and so we picked up all the trash along the highway. I went out with the team. Uh, I'll tell you what, what a great time God gave us. We were 90 years of age, Felix Daly, and 18 years of age, Ryan Strobel. That was our team. We had about seven of us, nine of us, eight of us, something like that. Not real good with math, but anyhow, we had a bunch of us go out, and we just knocked on a bunch of people's doors, every door, absolutely amazing. Not one person, it seemed, was upset. They were like, really? Y'all just giving us free water because you love your community? That's right. How can we pray for you? Well, thank you. And so we prayed with people, shared the gospel with people. Some of those people I really believe are in the church today as a result of yesterday. We welcome you, Great Hills Apartments. So glad that y'all came up. So the reason we did this is because, you know, talk, we can talk a lot. But when you get out in your community and where you live and you do acts of service, random acts of kindness, call it what you will, it really speaks profoundly, especially to our jaded, postmodern, post-Christian society. So thank you. We're going to do another one. If you missed yesterday's, I tell you, you really missed out. And so we want you to come next time. I think it's April 13th. Come on out and we'll have something for you to do. I mean, you say, well, I'm good with my hands. We'll put you to work with your hands. Or I'm good with my mouth. I can speak. Well, come on, we'll help you and you help us. So it's a great, not a great time yesterday. Many people are watching us online and I just want to take a moment to greet you. That is one of our growing areas of our church is our online church, our online community. Hundreds of people are watching us every single Sunday. So we want to say God bless you, whether you're on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, most of you on Facebook. And by the way, if you're watching us on Facebook, many of you are, because a lot of you are traveling because it's spring break, go to your like button and push the like button and push share and let people know that you're worshiping God with us at Great Hills Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. We want to welcome you. So today we're going to move away from the book of Acts and we're going to the gospel of Matthew. And the reason we're doing this is because we want to dedicate the whole service as Terry Hurt, our worship pastor, executive pastor, has led us in worship. All those songs, all the focus is on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, his death for us on the cross. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to share a message with you about the cross of Christ, and then we're going to observe the elements, the bread and the juice, and then we'll have a time of invitation. So we're in the Gospel of Matthew. If you have your Bible, we'd love for you to turn. Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to read for you verses 26 through 30, but the title of our message is Looking Forward. We're not just looking back as we observe the elements, but we're going to look ahead and, and look forward with hope and expectation and joy because of what has happened in the past. Are you familiar with this phrase, delayed gratification? Anybody familiar with that phrase? Delayed gratification. Well, basically it means 
you, you sacrifice and pay the price, if you will, in the present so that you can enjoy a better future. I think it's Dave Ramsey who talks about in Financial Peace, he says, uh, live like nobody lives now so that you can live like nobody lives in the future. Make the sacrifices, pay off your debt, uh, deny yourself some things now so that you can live like nobody else in the future. For those of you that are students, and many of you are, I mean, you're college students, you're high school students, middle school, elementary school, you, you study, you pour into those textbooks and those notes and, and, you, and you memorize and, and your buddies are out doing different things and you're isolated in your room and you're just going over and over that work because you're gonna ace that exam. That's delayed gratification. Some of you are preparing for your future. Did you know some of the highest paying jobs now in America are welders and plumbers? Six figures is what they're starting, welders and plumbers. Not everybody is supposed to go to college. Some of you are supposed to go to trade school and get that trade and you come out not owing hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, you may owe a few thousand dollars of debt and you start making six figures, that's pretty cool. But anyhow, for, for a couple of years, you gotta learn that trade. You gotta put the sweat equity in, in order to enjoy the future. And that is no more true than in Christianity. You said, oh, wait a, wait a minute now, wait a minute, Pastor. We're not talking about work salvation, are we? No, we're not. The Bible says, for it is by grace we've been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved by the grace of God. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But you know what verse 10 says? Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we may proclaim the praises of him. So here's what we, we're talking about. In Christianity, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He suffered great torture and humiliation and, and shame and pain and agony. He did all of that in order that a greater day may come for him and for you. And so it is with us in Christianity. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross. We follow Jesus Christ. We march to the beat of a different drum. People look at us as crazy. People look at us and say, why don't you participate with us in the things that we are doing? It brings lots of pleasure into our physical bodies. And we say, no, thank you, because this world is not my home. I am looking for a glorious city another day. So I deny myself here now, and I'm going to enjoy eternity with God in heaven forever. So it's called delayed gratification. Let's look at the text now as Jesus Christ, I tell you, he, the Bible says, and, and I've got so many scriptures in my mind, we'll get to Matthew in a moment. But he for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Wow, that's our faith, that's our hope. That is our Christianity in a nutshell, the death, burial, resurrection, exaltation of Jesus Christ. Okay, so here we go. We'll go back in time. We'll go to the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew chapter 26 is a lot like John, you know, 13 through 17. Jesus is in the upper room, and they have just observed the Passover meal, which was a traditional meal commemorating the time when Moses led the children of Israel out of the the Egypt, Egyptian bondage into the promised land, the Passover, put the blood on the doorpost and the death angel passes over the children of Israel. He does not take their lives because they are covered by the blood. And so Jesus on that night 
commemorating, celebrating Passover with his Jewish disciples, he gathers them around him. And then he says these words, as they were eating, eating the Passover supper, Jesus did something really radical. He's about to interject what we call the Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist. And so he is in Passover and he goes, they took the bread and Jesus, ulogeo, ulogeo, good word, eulogy. It's where we get the eulogy word, blessed the, the bread. In my mind, Jesus prayed over this bread. He blessed this bread. Thank you, Father, for this bread. And then he broke it. What a beautiful symbol. You know, Jesus, he, nothing, nothing is by mistake. Everything is very intentional. He, he prays, he blesses the bread, and then he breaks the bread, which his body is about to be shattered and broken in just a few hours. He breaks the bread and then he gives it to them. Now that just astounds me. It's probably one loaf of bread, but he breaks it. And the son of God from beginning to end of his life on this earth, he's always serving, he's always humble, he's always giving. And so he, he gives the bread to his disciples and he gives this commandment to them. Take and eat, this is my body. This is my body that is broken for you and for the sins of the world. Then he took the cup, probably one chalice, one large cup full of wine, and he eucharisteo. He eucharisteo. It's where we get the word eucharist. Give thanks. Ooh, the prefix ooh is always, it means good. Charis is grace or thanks. And, and so Jesus takes the cup and he, he gives thanks to God the Father on the eve, on the precipice of the, the most horrible night of his life. He is about to be betrayed by a kiss from a friend. He is about to be falsely accused. He is about to be handcuffed and arrested. And he's about to be marched to a fake phony trial. And there he is going to be condemned to death. And then in just a few moments, his arms will be stretched out and they will be nailed to a cross and his feet will be pierced to that beam. And Jesus Christ will hemorrhage and suffer and bleed and die for six hours on a cruel cross. But in the meantime, before all of that, he says, Father, I want to give you thanks. My, 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 my. Praising God in the midst of such sorrow and so much horrible pain that is coming. But he says, take this cup and I want you to drink from it, all of you. Drink it, for this is my blood. The blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I'm not going to drink of this fruit of the vine until from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then, <laughs> whoo, I, I got to tell y'all, church, verses 29 and 30 kind of wrecked me this week. It just really, it got all over me. I, I, I've often led the, the Lord's Supper and communion, Matthew 26. And I've always seemed to stop at 26, 27, 28. But verse 29, I want to look at that verse with you in a few moments, but look at verse 30. In light of all that's going on in Jesus' life. And when they had sing, sung a hymn, when they sang praise to God, then they went out to the Mount of Olives. So if you have your outlines before you this morning, we're going to share some, some things with you based on this, this text today. 
the first thing I want you to look at is let us, let us obey the commandments of Jesus, okay? The commandments of Jesus are, are pretty straightforward at this point. He says, this is my body broken for you. It's representative, the metaphor here, this bread, now eat it. And then he takes the, the juice, that, well, and the wine, and he says, this is my, this portrays my blood that is about to be spilled out for the sins, the remission of sins for the whole world. To everybody who will believe, I will become the sacrifice. No longer do we need sacrificial animals, the blood of, of goats and bulls and calves. No, all of that is fading away because a new day has come. A better covenant is now being inaugurated. The blood covenant, me, my blood shed for all for the forgiveness of sins. No longer do you need to slaughter an animal because I'm about to be slaughtered for the sins of the world and everybody who believes in me, Jesus said, their sins will be forever cleansed and forever they will go to heaven. Wow, that's the gospel. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that God did for us what none of us could ever do for ourselves. Jesus says in John 10, 18, nobody takes my life, but I lay it down. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my father, John 10, 18. You know, the book of Hebrews, I, I think a great way to describe the book of Hebrews would be better, a better covenant, a better hope. The Old Testament, the, the old, the law, it's faded away. It did its job. It pointed all those sacrifices, all of those prophecies, all of those years appointed to the sacrifice. And I love what probably Luke wrote in the book of Hebrews. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as Jesus is also mediator of a, look at that, better, better testament, better covenant, which was established on better promises. You know, it's interesting when Jesus says, drink this cup because my blood will be shed for the forgiveness of sins of many, but not all. Jesus didn't say, my blood's about to be shed, and now everybody ever born, they will all be immediately forgiven. But that's not what he says because that's not what happens. It's only those who believe. It's only those who trust. It's only those who recognize the Son of God for who He is, just as the Son of Man. Look, look at this great verse in Matthew 20, 28. He did not come to be served, but He came to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Many, but not all, will believe. Oh, yes, His blood is shed for all. And the Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but everybody come to repentance. But that's not what happens most most, Jesus said, they have chosen to travel on a very wide, broad road that leads to destruction. Now, this broad road has some pleasure. Sin is pleasurable, the Bible says, for a season. But those who deny themselves and take up their cross and say, Jesus, I'm not living for my life, for, for me. I'm living my life for you. And I've said no to those ungodly lusts and passions, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the, the flesh, the pride of life. I've done away with those things through your blood. And now I'm on the narrow road. 
Did you know today that you're either on a broad road that's leading to hell or you're on a narrow road that's leading to heaven? How dare you say that, young man? How dare you be so provincial and myopic and narrow-minded? That's exactly what Jesus Christ said. He said most are going to hell. And it's not because God doesn't love them. It's not because God has not shaken the universe and sent me to die for them, but they would rather enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin for a moment and then spend eternity separated from me forever. Wow. And you know what? But for the grace of God, there goes Brother Danny. I was on that road to hell. I was on that road to pleasure. I was on that road of doing what I wanted to do until Almighty God came to me and said, you are a sinner and you're going to hell. And I was like, that's for sure, Jesus, help me. And he did. Oh, the cross of Jesus Christ is the reason I'm alive. That's what we sang a moment ago. The cross is the reason we're alive. Had Jesus not died on a cross and been buried and resurrected from the dead, pray heaven, tell me, where would you be today? You wouldn't be at Great Hills Baptist Church, I promise you that. For many, for any who would believe, today we're going to obey this clear, crystal clear mandate. In a few moments, you're going to hold this sacred moment in your hand, you're, you're going to reminisce, you're going to look back at what Jesus did on the cross, and you're going to eat that bread, you're going to drink that juice, and we're going to remember him. But I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. He says, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that leads me to the second point. Let us anticipate the promise of Jesus. Let us anticipate the promise. You see, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper communion, it's not just an exercise in the past or a historical moment, but it's also, watch me now, it's an anticipation of a greater future. Yes, delayed gratification here, delayed here, but eternal gratification there. And it's all made available. It's all made possible through the death of Christ on the cross. Now, here we go to verse 29 and 30. And I, I got to be honest with you. I, oftentimes, I, I'll be honest, I, ne- I don't think I've ever preached on verses 29 and 30 to my shame. I've treated verse 29 and 30 a lot like you and I treat fine print. <laughs> How many of you read the fine print of all the documents that you sign? Not many. One Two, three. Donnellan, Donnellan, uh, 59 years of age in Georgia, she loves to read the fine print. In fact, she says, I even read the fine print on the HIPAA documents in, in the doctor's office. Donnellan Edwards from Georgia, she said, you know what? I'm an economics major from University of Georgia, and I'm proud of my degree, and I just read everything. Well, little did she know that just last month, there was a company called Square, I love this name, Square Mouth, based in St. Petersburg, Florida. And what they do is they provide travel insurance. And so Donnellan, she took out a $400 travel insurance that would cover everything were anything to happen. And here's what they did. 
after 4,000 words, seven page document toward the end or maybe in the middle, they wrote these words. Hey, if you are reading the fine print and you are the first one to contact us, we will give you $10,000. And Donald and Edwards is like, hello. She contacted them. She sent, they had an email address. She emailed them. Then in 24 hours, they called her back and they said, you're, you're winning. We're going to give you $10,000. And they said, not only that, um, let me just tell you the story. We, we knew this money would never be given to an individual because nobody reads the fine print. She said, you hadn't met me yet. I read everything. And they said, we were fully prepared that in a year, we were going to give all this money to charity. But within 23 hours of promoting this, Donald and Edwards read it, received the money, and Square Mouth was so excited, they said, what do you do for a living? She said, I'm a school teacher. They said, well, tell you what, we'll give $5,000 to one of your high schools you teach at. We'll give another $5,000 to the other high school that you teach at, in addition to giving you the $10,000 grand prize. And while we're at it, we're so excited that you've read this. There's a nonprofit in Washington, D.C. called Needing to Read. We're going to give them a $10,000. The point is, it's good to read the fine print. And the greater point is... The fine print of verse 29 is absolutely staggering if we will read it, if we will understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus is telling those disciples, I've always just went in right past this. He said, I'm not going to drink with you anymore. This is the final time that we will enjoy this quantity of fellowship here on this earth. I will not drink it again until that day, until that day when you and I are gathered in the Father's kingdom. I don't know about y'all, but I got chill bumps on me right there. Now, what does that mean? What is Jesus saying when he's encouraging us to anticipate the coming promise? Well, one, one writer puts it this way. He says, from Matthew's account emerge two key elements, two key elements for celebrating the Lord's Supper. Listen, listen carefully, Great Hills. This is very important. One looks back. One looks backward. The other looks forward. First, we commemorate Jesus' redemptive death. Drink it, all of you. We commemorate. We remember. We thank you, God, for giving us your son who lived a perfect life. Nobody lived like you. You, you constantly gave. You, you constantly served. And, and there you are on the cross dying for the sins of the world. And, and you were broken and shattered and beaten and bruised. And so we commemorate and we look back. But that's not all. He says, and then we look forward. First, we commemorate. Second, we anticipate. We anticipate his return in company with all the redeemed. Now, look in verse 29. Jesus prefaces it with this, I say unto you. Did y'all catch that? He prefaces what, what he shares with them. And, and many times Jesus has done this with the words like, verily, verily, I say unto you, or most assuredly, I say. In verse 29, he said, but I say unto you. He's already talking. So why is he saying I'm saying to you? It's for emphasis. He wants you to grasp this. He wants all of us to remember that this night, dark night of the soul is upon him. 
He is about to die. His blood is about to be shed. This is the last time he will be in close, intimate fellowship with his disciples until that day, oh, that glorious day when the Son of God returns and all the redeemed of Christ rise and we go to the marriage supper woo, of the Lamb of God and all the people of God, all the ages of the redeemed, we gather around King Jesus and oh man, we have a holy nanny party with Jesus Christ up in heaven above. Man, hallelujah. Make you want to get saved. Make you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Man, listen to these words in, in, the, in the book of Revelation. You ever heard the book of Revelation? Some of you are laughing. You, you, you were with me. You studied it with me. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Another writer says, Jesus looks forward to the end of this world system and he's setting up the perfect kingdom of God at an unspecified time. We don't know, but he knows. Is this the millennial reign of Christ? The thousand years? Is this the, the new heavens and the new earth? Is this the marriage supper of the lamb? I don't know. All I know is that Jesus made a promise and we are to anticipate this promise that the dark night of the soul will give way to the brilliant sunshine of eternal life with the Son of God. Wow, thank you, Lord. Last thing I wanna share with you before we observe the elements is let us praise God in the midst of difficulty. Let us praise in the midst of difficulty. When the Bible says they sang a hymn, what that means is it was customary during the liturgy of the Passover for them to go to Psalm 113, Psalm 118. And they would sing these psalms of praise to God. And I read all of them this week in preparation for the sermon. I, I'm not going to read them to you, but I'm telling you what they say. They all talk about praise God, worship God, love God. Isn't God amazing? It's called the halal. Halal means praise Yahweh. In, in Hebrew, halal, praise God. And Jesus Christ on the very precipice of going through the most torturous death known to mankind, he has the spiritual wherewithal to gather his disciples and to sing a song of praise to God. Wow. Man. I'm going to confess to you, that's, that's not just hard for me. That's impossible for me without the intervention of God. Some of you are in the midst of difficulty, in the crucible of pain, of agony, of suffering. Some of you are waiting. I know, you told me. You're waiting on the result from the exam. Some of you, your marriage is dissolving before your very eyes. Some of you, your kids have chosen a, a path 
that you know is destructive and you know it breaks your heart, but there's really nothing you can do except call out to God in prayer. Some of you are in the crucible of the agony of the vicissitudes of life, where it's real, where it's raw, where it's painful, where it's hurtful, and you don't really know how it's going to turn out. And yet in the midst of that, Jesus Christ comes alongside of you and says, let us lift up praise to God. Why? Because no matter what, Jesus Christ will never leave us and never forsake us. He will walk alongside us. He will fill us with his spirit. A lot of us, we say, well, death is the most horrible possible thing that could ever happen to me. You know what? Death is promotion for the child of God to the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not minimizing your pain, and I don't want you to minimize mine. But if Jesus Christ can halal and worship God on the eve of the crucifixion, Lord Jesus, help us to worship you in the midst of our difficulty and suffering here today. So what I want you to do is take a piece of bread, take a cup, and as you as you just ruminate on this, as you think through it, let us obey his commandments, okay? Let's obey him and drink and eat, remembering. But let us also anticipate not just the suffering then, but the celebration that is to come. Remember 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six: as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then, can you do it? Would you join me? Would you help me? Can I help you? Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Our Father, which art in heaven, what did he say next? Hallowed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now watch this. As that begins to happen, as that praise in you begins to rise, something absolutely magnificent and majestic begins to happen. God begins to take that burden Man, God begins to take that unknown, difficult doctor's report that is coming. God begins to take the weight of that grandchild that has broken your heart. God begins to take the weight of that and he lifts it off of your shoulders and he puts it on him and he gives you freedom. He gives you joy. No, no, I'm not mitigating your pain. I know it's still there and I know it's real, but this much I know as a child of God, we don't have to bear it alone. God bears it for us. What's that? That's the joy of being a Christian. So let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. Let's embrace being a follower of God that one day we're going to heaven, but in the meantime, we're going to walk through this pain with joy. God, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. You are amazing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us in this sacred Eucharist, oh, Eucharist moment. God, I pray. Even now as our deacons, as they come, as they prepare to give these elements to us, Lord, may we embrace this moment. Father, I'm praying now in your name, Jesus, that every believer, every Christian in this room, as they partake of these elements, God, they would do it with a thought of thank you, with a thought of Jesus, please forgive me. And with this thought of God, thank you for rescuing me, saving me, and thank you one day. We will reign with you forever in heaven. We will drink of this cup again with you, Jesus, in glory, the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you're here today and I'm praying for you, 
and you know who you are and you're not, you're not a follower of Christ and you're not, you've, there's never been a time where you surrendered your life to him. You're still on that very broad path of destruction today. Would you come off of that path and say, Jesus, I give you my all. I surrender. I surrender my life unto you. Now you can take the elements. Once you commit your life to Christ, you don't want to take these elements and not be a follower of Jesus because that, that's just not good. That doesn't go well for you. I don't understand everything about 1 Corinthians 11. I just understand enough to warn you. If you're not a Christian, do not eat this bread. Do not drink this cup or, or some tough things will happen to you. Say, excuse me? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is such a sacred moment. You cannot take it flippantly. You cannot take it haphazardly. You, you cannot take it not fully committed to Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm serious. So why don't you, right, right now, come on now, come on. If you need to look, look at, look at me for just a moment, if you need to. If you need to bow your heads, bow your heads. In this moment, commit your life to Christ, even now. Even now, surrender, surrender. Say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. I'm sorry for my sins, and I know they've separated me from you. And now, Jesus, by your blood, cleanse me, cleanse me now. May the royal, regal blood of Jesus Christ course through my spiritual veins and cleanse me, Lord. Bring me out of darkness into light, and now I'm ready, oh God. I'm ready to partake of these elements. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.